I'm planning to give a talk to youth and young adults this evening, right in the um, social hall, about what forms our identity. And I found the readings in today's Mass actually really coincided with the points I wanted to bring up this evening, so I thought I'd do something really difficult. I'm going to try to squeeze my hour-long presentation into a 45-minute homily. For your sake, I hope it works out. I'm going to talk about four things. What forms our identity, how this relates to the story of Pinocchio and social media, and our relationship with Christ. This evening, I'm going to focus much more on social media and the story of Pinocchio, and I'm going to try to just touch on them a little bit today. But right now, I'm going to focus much more on our identity and our faith. So what determines, on a philosophical level, my identity? Who I am, how I understand myself. And there's a paradigm that lays this out. Relationship, identity, activity. Relationships, the closest relationships to me, determine how I understand myself, which then determine the choices that I make in life. That's why you can say, tell me who your friends are, and I'll tell you who you are. Because it's the love that we seek, the closest relationships to us, that will determine how we understand ourselves and the choices that we make to stay in that group of people. St. Clair of Assisi once said, we become what we love, and who we love shapes what we become. Not And that's uh, because love is so essential to our being. It's so essential that even babies in orphanages, it's the same thing with rats, it works the same way. If they're not coddled and played with and nurtured, they actually end up dying. No physical ailment. What happens there, their gastrointestinal system just shuts down. It's almost as if the body is saying, if I'm not loved, what's the point of even eating? And that's, because, that's before we even become self-aware, right? So it shows how deep and fundamental our need to know ourselves as loved really is within us. You know, in South Africa, there's this tribe. When they see somebody, they say, Sabobona, which means, I see you. It's the equivalent of saying hello. I Sabobona, I see you. And the other one will respond, Sikona, I am here. But what it actually means, the response, before you saw me, I didn't exist. Or when you saw me, when you looked upon me, you brought me into existence. This idea that we cannot even know ourselves as as existing without the eyes and love of another person bringing us into being. That's why really truly, love is the essence of life. It brings us into existence. And that's true also for God himself as Trinity. God, and this is one of the greatest mysteries of our faith, God exists as a relation of persons. He's not just three persons loving. In his very substance of his being, he is a relation of love. And each person in the Trinity receives their identity by their relationship to the other as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So the relationships of love define God himself in his very essence. That's why it is with us who are made in his image. And this, that's why we can say I am who I am because of the relationships that define me. 
but that's for better and for worse. And that's why the drama of existence really is, who is it that gives me the love that brings me into being? What's the most important relationship in my life? That's the struggle of existence. And that's also the drama of salvation, as Christ himself lays out in today's parable. Christ says the temptation for us human beings is to refuse the invitation of God to come into communion with Him, to know ourselves totally in Him, and choose, rather, to know ourselves by something lower in this world. Whether it be our work, our families, our accomplishments, our hobbies in life, even my sins, my mistakes, my failures, or just doing my own thing or out of laziness. You know, an exorcist, he once said that the demons have a motto that they hear often, anything but God, anything but God. So the devil doesn't care why we refuse relationship with God. All he cares about is that we choose something else more important than accepting his invitation to be in communion with him. It doesn't matter what that is. So when discussing identity, the question really is, what is the most important relationship in my life? Because that's what's going to define who I become. And that's what's going to define every choice I make. We become what we love. And who we love shapes what we become. And what does this have to do with Pinocchio? I'm going to be really brief here because I'm going to focus this later on in the talk. But Pinocchio is all about a puppet who's created by a loving father who wants him to be a real boy and sends him out into the world so that he can live out that journey. And he's given a cricket, Jiminy Cricket, who acts as a conscience. Jiminy Cricket is allusion to Jesus Christ. And a conscience, the reason it's a cricket is because a conscience bugs you. Right? It tells you when you need to, you're doing something wrong. You're not acting in accordance with what's going to make you real and authentic. And the whole story of Pinocchio is him going out and, and kind of engaging with all these different figures and trying to conform himself to them and thus losing his authenticity, becoming more and more deformed by trying to assimilate himself into the different people he meets, even at the point of becoming a jackass, a donkey which the essence of a donkey is, you have no voice at all. So he goes on a journey of losing more and more his identity in a fight to become authentic. So the whole struggle there is to, to move away from being a marionette. I'm not being controlled by external forces. Who I am is governed from within me. And that's a great battle in our life. You know, there's a saying, and, and he goes out in the world and he's very unsure of himself, right? And he, he's kind of naive about the nature of the world. And because of that, he keeps falling into all these temptations to allow other people around him to tell him who he should be. And there's a saying, if you don't know your identity, the devil will give it to you. If I don't know who I am, I will accept what other people or the world or, or the lies of the devil about who I am. You are your skin color. You are your gender. 
your, your social economic class, your how much money you make. You are as successful as you make yourself in the world. You are your political party. These are all identities that the world tries to give us, none of them going to the core of who we are in Jesus Christ. St. Mother Teresa was once asked the question, what do you think about gay people? And she goes, you mean beloved children of God? And the reporter's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think about gay people? You mean beloved children of God. And stop saying things. Okay, what do, you, what do you think about beloved children of God? I think they're beloved children of God. And what was she doing? She was saying their sexual orientation doesn't define their identity. That's not the relationship that makes them who they are. And that's a lie that distorts our activity if we put it on that. The core of who we are is revealed in Jesus Christ that we are so beloved of the Father that he would send his son to offer his life for our salvation. And when my identity is based on that relationship, that's what determines everything I do and everything I don't do, what I believe and what I refuse to follow. And that's the struggle in life, to get to the core of who I am. That's why St. Paul says, if I wanted to please men, I would never be a slave of Christ. We all have to enslave ourselves to somebody because we all need to receive love. But it's who we choose to enslave ourselves to. And when we enslave ourselves to the love of God, that's what allows us to go into the world free. No one else pulling my, pull my arms like a puppet because they don't determine who I am. If you think about it, it's never our enemies that tempt us really to change. There's no one who doesn't like me that really makes me question myself. The people who really tempt me to do things that I shouldn't do are the people I most love in life. Because I'm always tempted to kind of go against my conscience in order to retain their love. That's why one priest said right before I was ordained, he said, the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life was disappointing the people I most love in this world when I knew that I had to do that in order to be faithful to what the Father was asking to me. That's all of our struggle. And this is a little point in social media. The reason social media has become more and more harmful to our youth is because it deforms our identity, because it taps into our fundamental need to be loved, to feel affirmed, to feel seen by another, to bring us into existence, to say that we're worthy, and the more time that we spend on social media, when we feel that emptiness within us, calling out for love, and I pick up the phone or I go on Facebook, what happens? That becomes the place I go for relationship. And that's why advertisements are paying so much money to go there, because then they get to form our mind of what we should believe, which then alters our actions. It's like, this is what I have to say, this is what I have to look like, to say and to do in order to be liked, to be followed, to be a part of this group that gives me my identity. You know, Facebook actually hired attention engineers who use the same principles that they use in casinos in Las Vegas about how to make Facebook as addictive as possible. You know, they have a ratio is when you pull those levers, right? That you win just enough times so it keeps you pulling even though you're losing your money. So they had those same people rig Facebook and our social media so that I'm constantly getting enough likes 
to keep picking up my phone and looking into it. And what's so insidious about social media is it's not even tapping into our desire for money or adventure. It's tapping into the core of who we are as human beings, which is our longing for love and affection and attention. And that is an infinite whole. And so the more I go into that to seek my identity, the more enslaved I become by it. And now they've just noticed in the past five years that from the ages of 10 to like 15, the depression rate of especially young women has gone up 400% because they go into the Facebook and all the social media looking for the answer to their hearts, their identity, and they constantly feel worse about themselves. Like I'm not pretty enough or I'm not desirable enough and everybody else has these great lives and I'm just here doing my own thing. So that's why it's, you have to pay attention to what, the place I'm going to get love, the place I'm going to get affirmed. Does it leave me empty in the end? Or is it giving me life and joy and freedom? Because the devil's always going to be there to enslave us. That's why it's such an important question. Where do I go to feel loved and affirmed? And it's not just a good question. This is the struggle of every one of our lives. Because the relationships define our identity, which define everything I believe about myself and the world and ultimately God and salvation. This was the principal struggle of Christ's life himself, to remain in the love of the Father as the beloved Son in the midst of all the temptations from the devil and from his own followers who were trying to pull his strings to make him the Messiah that they wanted him to be. And that's why Christ had to go into the desert, into the mountains over and over again to pray to the Father, right? So what does that mean? It means he's going to receive the love of the Father. So the Father himself forms his identity and what his mission is in life so that he can come back into the world and he says, I only do what the one who sent me asked me to do. My food is to do the will of the Father. And when temptations come his way to make him a different kind of Messiah, he can say, get behind me, Satan. You're thinking like men and not like God. Because it was the Father alone who gave him his identity. But that was a struggle. And that's our struggle in life. To choose to accept the invitation from God to know myself fundamentally as his beloved in that relationship or to deny it in hopes of finding a more immediate identity, whether it be in work or in my hobbies or in sports or politics or just doing my own thing. That's the struggle of every one of our lives. And God is love. That's why it's always an invitation. He never makes anybody come to him because relationships have to be a free choice. We have to choose that. The devil will seduce us. God invites us. It's like, I want you, but I want you in freedom. That's why when people say to me, like, why is it such a big deal that I come to Mass every Sunday? I'm like, that's the wrong question, man. What are you doing instead? What's more important than coming to Mass on Sunday? Someone says to me, you know, do we really have to pray the rosary every day? Which Mary asked every apparition that she comes in. Pray the rosary every single day. 
And people ask, like, why do I have to, why do I have to do it every day? It's like, what are you doing that's more important than that? If you're not filling yourself with the rosary, with scripture, with Jesus Christ, how much time are you giving to the phone or TV or to work? Where's your time going instead? Or when someone says to me, I really don't agree with what the church teaches in this area. It's a wrong question. Who's informing your opinion? What relationship in your life has become more important than that of Jesus Christ? as revealed through scripture and tradition that is now making you question his word with a new word. It all comes down to our relationships. What's the most important relationship in my life defines everything I know about myself and how I act in this world. And what's most intimidating about this parable that Christ gives is at the end, he says there's a man there who was in the wedding feast. He came. But Christ says, why are you not clothed with a wedding garment? I was probably wearing yoga pants. It just didn't fit in around there. I don't know. The, the wedding, and then he binds them up and throws them out, right? Well, it's a sign. The wedding garment represents being clothed with the Holy Spirit. And who is the Holy Spirit? The love of God. So to, we can, it's a warning, especially, I think, for us Catholics, especially us priests, we can be here, we can show up, but if we're not clothed with the love of God, with the love of our Father in Christ through the Holy Spirit, as the essence of my identity, of who I am, the most important relationship of my life, then I'm not properly, I'm not really here. I'm here, but I'm not here. That's why it's such an important question for us when we talk about identity. What is the most important relationship in your life? We become what we love, and who we love shapes what we become. And the greatest miracle of our faith is not what we become by our love, but what God has become for love of us. We become what we love. For love of us, He took on our own human nature and became man. And what we love shapes what we become. Well, for love of us, he took even the shape of the cross, entering into our passion and death in order to find us in the very place of our suffering. And if that weren't enough, even now out of love for us, he continues to take the shape of bread and wine to feed us with his own body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. And maybe he does all of this with the hope that our relationship with him our love for Him may come to shape everything we become, every choice we make, based on our identity as His beloved in time for all eternity.